0: Hmm. Recorded live.
1: Hey everybody, this is Heidi DeRoe. I'm your host, and this is The Mixed Experience. It's the only live weekly show about being racially and culturally mixed, and it's basically just a mixed chick's mixed thoughts on a mixed-up world. It's season four. Can you believe it? It's 2016. We're already getting into the middle of September, and I have some really fantastic guests. Already lined up for this season. I'll be coming at you at different times than normal in the next few weeks because I wanted to make sure I got these great guests on air and needed to work around their schedules. I'll also be traveling uh, near the end of the month to Denmark. So if anyone is in Copenhagen or around there, I'd love to see you. I'll be doing a keynote talk at the University of Copenhagen on the 21st of September. And you might be surprised to learn that the conference is all about all things black and Danish. Now, you would think that there are not that many things like that. But in fact, there are. And it's not just a one day conference. It's a two day conference about all things black and Danish. So I will be in a little Afro Viking hog heaven for a couple of days. And I'm excited to speak as well. Wish me luck. But if you're there, I'd love to see you. It's free and open to the public. Another thing that I wanted to tell you about before I get to our fantastic guest today is about, I know, you know, my labor of love, the Mixed Remixed Festival. We have some big announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks, but I'm just going to tell you a secret here. It's not official, official yet. But because you're a listener, obviously you're a diehard, I want you to mark your calendars for June 10th, 2017. We will be having one of the most fantastic, most excellent uh, anniversaries, it's the 50th anniversary of the Loving Bee Virginia decision that allowed couples to marry interracially throughout the land. And it's a really big deal to celebrate that day and we will be doing it in high style on June 10th, 2017. Don't tell anyone. This is the not totally official story yet. It's not actually been announced, but I thought you might want to know. Mark your calendars now, but don't tell other people yet, okay? So there's that. If you want more information about the festival, go to www.mixedremix.org. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. It's all volunteer. No one gets paid to do it, but it's so important that our families and our friends and our people get a chance to gather together and talk about the things that are on our mind and to create a vision for ourselves that's something beyond being a demographic that's co-opted by commercial interests, right? So, anyway, that's my little soapbox speech. Let me get to what we're here to do today, which is to talk more about the mixed experience and... I'm really excited to talk to our guest today. It's filmmaker Ron Dawson, who is an award-winning video producer, speaker, coach, and author of Refocus, Cutting-Edge Strategies to Evolve Your Video Business. He's also the host and producer of the podcast Radio Film School, which he describes as This American Life for Filmmakers, which I really, really love. He used the podcast to tell the story about the making of Little Mixed Sunshine in the Shooting Sunshine miniseries. So Little Mixed Sunshine is part of the Mixed in America documentary series that he's put together, and Little Mixed Sunshine is the first of those pieces. It's fantastic, guys. So when Ron's not making cause-driven and inspirational films, he's most likely battling his son in a Nerf war or taking walks with his wife. They live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. I am super excited to welcome Ron Dawson to the show today. Hey, Ron. Hi, how are you, Heidi? I'm doing well. I am super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. And I I want to ask you a bunch of questions, but I do have to start off with the standard first question, which is, what are you?
0: Well, uh, as we emailed before, I uh, was hoping you would ask me that because – you know, when you look at me, traditionally I look like your typical your typical brother. You know, I'm a dark-skinned African American, but there's a complication to that. One, technically, I'm like one-eighth Cherokee on my mother's side. So I always thought that was kind of cool that I had this Native American history in my um, in my lineage. But growing up, I kind of had a similar experience that a lot of mixed race people have being caught between two worlds. Cause I was one of those guys growing up that was described as an Oreo, which in America is sort of like a derogatory term used in the African American culture to describe people. Basically you're black on the inside and you white and you're white on the inside, on the inside, black on the outside, white on the inside. So used to describe black people who quote unquote act white. And um, so oftentimes among African-Americans, I felt like I didn't fit in because you know, I didn't quote-unquote talk black or I didn't act quote-unquote black or I just wasn't black enough. And then among my non-black friends, I often felt like I didn't fit in because I wasn't black. And sometimes I'd have non-black friends who would tell really either stupid or ignorant jokes and or make stupid or ignorant comments. And so growing up throughout you know, part of my teens, and particularly in college, I remember having this racial identity crisis. In fact, I remember one time in college, I was, you know, I was part of this co-ed international business fraternity, so it was men and women, and uh, I remember we were planning the yearly uh, banquet, and I was asking about what kind of music they were going to play, and one person said well we all don't want to hear hip-hop Ron and this was already during a time when I was feeling like this I did any crisis and I remember running out of the room and in, in in tears just feeling like I just didn't fit in so that's my complicated answer to your question
1: well it's such a perfect answer because I think it is that complicated for a lot of people that sure they're There are still, and I don't know your age, but I'm 47. And so that experience that you had of getting to college and, you know, this is supposed to be one of the most open uh, experiences you have where people are having investigations into new ideas and intellectual curiosity. But these ideas about race are so fixed and and so stereotypical most of the time, right? Like there's not a lot of room. For for nuance or complexity in those spaces, unfortunately, still I think.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm just a year older than you are, so we were in college around the same time, and and I went to UC Berkeley of all places, which is I
1: went to Stanford. I'll still. Oh talk my to god. You. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. You know what? I think I vaguely remember reading that somewhere online, and I was I made a mental note to joke about it, but. Yeah. Uh yeah, so you know for those listening UC Berkeley and Stanford are rivals and um but you know Berkeley you know became famous in the in the 60s for you know the civil rights and for all the kind of heyday that went down there and so it's this you know supposed to be this bastion of you know, I guess liberalism or contemporary thinking or whatnot, and you know, yeah, you know, even at a place like Berkeley, you can deal with those kind of that kind of ignorance.
1: It's it's unfortunate but true. And you know, I was watching again the documentary that you've put together, which is just, by the way, so beautiful and wonderful. And I can't see what ha- can't wait to see what happens next. But Little Nick Sunshine, um, as I watched it again this morning, I thought, wow. Isn't she growing up about 30 years after I did? And mm-hmm. I went through those same feelings. So yeah. tell me a little bit about Little Mixed Sunshine and the inspiration for it in your daughter, Imani.
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely. So uh, my wife um, is Caucasian, but she was actually. a a single mom for seven years before I married her. So I always thought it was very cool that when we actually started dating, people naturally thought that Imani was my biological daughter because he had this interracial couple with this, you know, mixed daughter. And so, and she, in so many ways is more like me than she is her mother. So (laughs) I always thought that was a, a very, uh, it felt like kismet, you know, almost like it was providential that I would, um, Married someone who had a daughter like Imani. But um, she at the time, she was about uh, 15 when I had uh, told her about Chris Rock's film um, documentary called Good Hair. And, you know, those listening probably know in the African-American community, there's this whole thing about good hair versus bad hair. In fact, in Spike Lee's movie School Days, there's like this musical number where all the light skinned sisters are having this musical number against the dark skinned sisters about, you know, good hair, quote unquote straight and black hair, which is um bad hair, which is, you know, kinky and whatnot. And so Chris Rock did this very funny documentary about it and my daughter saw it and it was a very eye opening experience for her. Um, because throughout a lot of her childhood, you know, before I married her mom, there were aspects of the African-American community she wasn't really that in tune with. And this documentary opened her eyes to that. And as she was telling me you know, her experience, I, being a filmmaker, I, it was just killing me I didn't have a, a camera and a microphone <laughs> on her. And I said, I have to make a documentary about this. So that was the summer of 2010. And then in January of 2011, I interviewed her and by this time, she was 16, and, like, within a week of interviewing her, I put together, like, this one-minute trailer, and I was, like, jazzed to put out this documentary about the experience of my mixed daughter growing up, and, um, you know, some of the, the stories that she was telling me about. Um, but it would be a little over five years before I actually finished the documentary, and for a number of different reasons, it took that long. But the experiences she had in terms of things her friends would tell her, you know, stuff I'm sure you've explored numerous times on the show, you know, the question that you ask, you know, so what are you? Uh, You know, in the, in the documentary, we reenact uh, a scene where she was in middle school and one of her friends said something to the effect, you know, excuse me, I don't want to offend you, but you don't really talk black. And, which you know, very similar to the experience I had, you know, as a quote unquote full blooded African American who was uh, who didn't talk quote unquote black, and so all these experiences she had, I just wanted to put together in this film series, and have her have her story be like the first in many, where each episode would be one person's story, and told in a way that felt like a narrative as opposed to a straightforward head and shoulders documentary.
1: Well, this is what I really liked the most about the piece, because obviously, you know, I am always on the lookout for films and documentaries, uh, as well as, you know, feature narrative films to be able to screen at our annual Mixed Remix Festival. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the frustrating things I found is that most of the work that people are doing in This area, And when I say that, I mean stories about mixed-race people, experience, mixed-race families, is mostly documentary, so it has that confessional, the way you described it, that, you know, headshot kind of documentary, which is not to say those aren't powerful stories, but you've actually done this in a really beautiful and artistic way that I think um, makes it much more immediate. Can you describe to us a little bit about the decision you made around that and, and what you actually did in the documentary.
0: Sure, sure. So, you know, like I said, I, I wanted the film to feel like more like a narrative story as opposed to a traditional documentary. So at the time when I interviewed Imani, it was completely an audio interview. I did not actually interview her with a camera. So one Oh, how forced-
1: interesting. I didn't realize yeah. that at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I And I cover this in my podcast. Um, I would actually do it differently in the future. Um, But the reason why I did that was to force me as an artist and as a filmmaker to create what's called B-roll. So like whenever you watch like um, a news program and you hear a a person talking, but you cut to a scene of Mm -hmm. them doing something else, that's B-roll. So that's essentially where you see, you hear someone saying one thing and you see scenes that either kind of match what they're saying or you see some other kind of scene. So you have a voiceover. And so by only interviewing her with audio, it forced me to create B-roll to match everything that she was saying. And so we staged reenactments of some of the things she talked about. I used the combination of actual video footage. You know, being the daughter of a filmmaker, there were plenty of projects that <laughs> I've done throughout the years where she was star, whether she liked it or not. And so... Um, and she's a musician, so I did a music video with her, so I use scenes from that, um, video clips from other videos that I've shot for clients or personal projects where she was in it, um, and then and then pulling clips from the internet that kind of match some of the things that she said. And so uh, it's funny because, you know, I said I wouldn't, um, you know, the next time I do the next episodes, I won't necessarily go for the strictly audio version because... That became a huge obstacle for me, Heidi, in, in finishing the pitch because, you know, it's about 12 minutes long. And there are these large sections where I didn't have really good visuals to to put with it. And so I that thought was... it worked
1: so well, though. I mean, what I really loved was that, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about a story about being hybrid and you've created a hybrid kind of storytelling style for you know talking about being mixed I just thought it it all just worked so well together that the form and the message resonated in a really powerful way for me and I and also it made it feel very immediate um Mm. because obviously you know as you said it took five years for you to do the story and even um when she was doing this interview with you originally, she was already 15. And so some of those formative things that happened to her had already happened maybe eight or, you know, 10 years in the past. Uh, And so to see like these reenactments instead, it gave me, it was a very powerful feeling of actually very much being in the moment as opposed to, you know, Imani, sitting there reflecting and having a, an answer about those moments, it, yeah, it gave me yeah. more question marks about those moments, which I thought was really lovely.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I liked your insight into that. And, you know, it's funny how it developed because, you know, I had always planned to have the reenactments and, you know, last summer um, I had, you know, shot it. And I thought it was kind of apropos that we shot the reenactments on the one year anniversary of the shooting of Michael Brown here in the States. So mm-hmm. um, I just thought that was kind of poignant um, because it was obviously his death and shooting is an issue about blacks versus whites in this country. And, um, and then I actually, that was August 9th. And I actually released the video online exactly one year after that on August 9th of this year. But um but when I finished shooting all the reenactments, I was still lacking um, footage to use for the, the fill-in-the-gaps footage that I had planned to do reenactments for, but I just didn't have the people to do it. And mm-hmm. so um, the solution I came up with was that since I felt media played such a huge role and how, you know, as I say in the movie, how African-Americans look at each other, but even how this particular story developed, you know, based on, you know, Imani watching Chris Rock's movie, I thought it would be cool to have the theme of media play throughout. So using movie clips and video clips and TV clips of um, African-Americans, I thought actually really fit the theme well and helped me round out the the rest of the documentary.
1: As As I was watching it, I kept thinking, Okay, when I see those clips, I'm thinking, yeah, she's biracial. Yeah, she's biracial. How come no one's talking about it? You know, those are are the kind of moments I had growing up when I would see media images and I'd think, wait a minute, I know that she's mixed like me, but no one is saying this. Why aren't they saying it? It's so confusing. Uh, So I really love those moments as well. What, as a a dad, did you learn um, from engaging in this project uh, about your daughter?
0: I I think one of the things I found really eye-opening was, you know, because I finished, she's 21 now, and so I finished the project um, and the end of the film has some scenes of her today. And, you know, talking, and, and over the end credits, you hear an interview with her that I did you know, well, I did it last year, but, you know, she was yeah, at the time she was, you know, 20 right at that time. And so we, you know, asking her how she felt now versus then. And so it was really interesting to hear her come to terms with a lot of the issues she used to deal with now that she's an adult. Some of the things that she still deals with now, um, you know, people staring at her because Ostensibly, they're staring at her because she, you know, she has a kind of an exotic look, quote unquote exotic. And, you know, obviously, I'm biased, but you know, I think imperfections. She's also she's very
1: a, beautiful. <laughs> right,
0: I was going to say that she's a beautiful girl. So, you know, in the in the credits, she talks about, you know, she, you know, she when she worked at a supermarket, you know, one of the customers pointing to her and saying, "You have an interesting look about you," and it's her feeling like a painting. And she kind of addresses that, and just her as an adult dealing with that kind of thing and how she thinks about it and how she reacts to it, and how how as an adult, she can f- internally forgive this woman who was Caucasian for doing that because she knows that the woman's heart is in the right place, yeah, whereas as a sixteen year old she may have she might have felt about it much differently than she can now as a 21-year-old. So just seeing her come of age and dealing with her self-identity. And then when I asked her, you know, if she wanted to be interviewed again and kind of give an update, you know, other than a little short one I did kind of like on the spot when we were shooting those scenes, you know, I was asking if she wanted to do another formal sit-down interview and she was like, Nope, I'm good. You know, she was just, (laughs) I just, confidence of where she was now and she didn't need to revisit it and and she actually felt like a lot of her answers would be the same uh, that she gave back then and uh yeah so I thought it was kind of neat seeing her come of age in terms of how she deals with it as an adult versus as a teen
1: I I really loved the very end to hear where she was in her journey and um and I know because this is what I talk about a lot with a lot of different people that she may change again, so you may have to do a, a part two. Um, yes, oftentimes yes. Those, the, you know, the issues come up again when you partner up with someone or you have yes. kids or you know your, your family scenario shifts in some way so here's the question it's going to be a series, right it's mixed in America, so this is the right. first of, of many what's? Mm-hmm what's next on board for you then? Well,
0: there's a person here in the Seattle area who, um, he's the creative director for a very, um, popular YouTube channel and he's half Asian, half Caucasian, and he's agreed to be my next subject. So I'm hoping to, um, uh, to do him next. Cause he's here in the area. Um, and I've contemplated making a podcast Version of some of the stories because one it takes a long time to do a film for one,
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, um, and two, uh, doing something kind of similar in the NPR This American Lifestyle I do my other podcast in where it's kind of story driven versus straight off interview driven. Um, but you know, with everything that's going on, I don't see how the time goes. But you know, and the direct answer to your question, you know, doing. You know, doing this other gentleman, something I want to do. And, you know, I actually interviewed uh, when I was back in Atlanta, because that's, I was living in Atlanta when I first interviewed Imani. And I actually have in the can, as they say, another audio interview with uh, a woman who's half Caucasian and half Hispanic. But what's interesting about her story, and I might have to go back to Atlanta to, to film stuff, but on her Hispanic side, Her mom is half Dominican Republic and no, half Puerto Rican and half Mexican. And then there's actually a lot of internal dynamics between the Puerto Rican and Mexican side of her mother that is really (laughs) fascinating. Even more fascinating than the, you know, the white side of her dad is this, I mean, I guess technically it's interracial, but. You, because it's Puerto Rican versus Mexican, and obviously, you know, those are two different types, you know, people types. But that interracial aspect of her mother's side was something that was very interesting in. And, and so uh, that's something I um, I have in the can that I want to go back to. So really, you know, since this is a labor of love, it's just a matter of finding the time between, you know, paying the bills and doing the work that pays exactly. the bills. Exactly.
1: Yes. To, <laughs> finding know, the time yes. and the money exactly. to do the thing that right. you love. Right. Well, which um, is really
0: a big reason why it took me five years to get it done. It was just, you know, first it was dealing with, you know, a teenage daughter who didn't he didn't want to do it anymore, and then and <laughs> just finding the time to really to do it. So,
1: well, it's a life of artist. I, I I'm very certain that it has to continue because we're going to be looking out for the next thing and the next thing. I, I think it's a wonderful way to tell the story. And it's something that I haven't seen anyone do yet for these stories, which are incredibly diverse, as you just talked about, in, in the subjects that you're looking at uh, using for your next pieces as well. There are so many stories and there's not just one story about the mixed experience. That's what's so exciting about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I, I hope you'll keep me in touch about uh, developments because we do have this film and book festival that happens every year and we're always looking yeah. for things to screen. So it would be wonderful absolutely. to share it with an audience like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely hope to have the next one done before that and um, <laughs> and keep the... Uh, Keep the series going, because the feedback on it so far has been really wonderful.
1: Well, I'm going to keep spreading the word, because I'm in love with it, and I really appreciate the work that you've done on it, and and the artistry with it, right? I mean, I I get frustrated when we're just doing confessionals, but this is a real artistry to the story, and I think it can draw a lot of people in in that way, which is great. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Ron, it's been great to talk to you, and I hope I will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having me, Heidi. I really appreciate it.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, you guys, you have to make sure you check this out. Uh, Ron Dawson, his project is called Mixed in America. You can find him at mixedinamerica.wordpress.com. The first installment, Little Mix Sunshine, is on the website as well as Vimeo. So you can catch it there. It's really, really fantastically done. And I can't wait to see what he does next with the next subjects that he's interviewing. Uh, We really deserve these stories, I think. So, yay, go check it out, Mixed in America. You can also find Ron at DareDreamerFM. That's his Twitter handle or at MixedAmericaTV as well. Check out his podcast as well. Excellent stuff. My name is Heidi DeRoe. I'm your host of The Mixed Experience. I'm back again with a really fantastic guest, my dear friend, Dr. H, and her great book called The Other One. It's an incredible, incredible collection of short stories. I'll be interviewing her at the regular time next week at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Send me an email, Heidi, at HeidiWDeRoe.com if you have questions or comments. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at Heidi HeidiDeRoe.com. And if you have any time, if you're tooling around over there on iTunes, uh, go ahead, leave a review. I mean, a nice one, if you'd like to. That would be great. And that will help more people find the show. Again, my name is Heidi DeRoe. I'm your host of The Mixed Experience. Thanks so much for joining me. And I'll talk to you again next week. Bye, guys.